0: If you're not familiar with the story of Esther, it comes at a time when there was a great, uh, danger to the people of God. It, it, for all practical purposes, appeared like, uh, Judaism, as we understand it, was gonna be exterminated. Was gonna be exterminated. It looked like a time of the absolute utmost evil. And it was a frightening time. It was a frightening time. But God had been moving, and God had placed in in the, literally in the bedroom of the king uh, uh, a queen who was a Jew who was faithful in the midst of that. And her uncle Mordecai was was um, loving her and praying for her and and believing that God had some sovereign purpose for her life in the midst of the struggle. And we pick up the story in verse twelve of chapter four of Esther. And and Mordecai has asked Esther to somehow implore the king on behalf of the people of God. And, and Esther replied, and, and Mordecai said to say back to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than any other Jew. Listen to this. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place but you and your father's house will perish. Isn't that an amazing statement of faith? Uh, Mordecai, facing annihilation, facing the destruction of everything that he's understand, is able to say by faith that relief and deliverance is going to arise. Why? Because he understood the heart of God. And you may be in a place where you're a little bit desperate right here, judging by our Facebook posts and things like that. I think we might find ourselves in a little bit place of desperation. Know this for certain. Relief and deliverance will arise. The question is not, will it arise? The question is, will you be a part of it? If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the people of God, for the Jews, from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. But here's this famous line, and who knows? Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther received that message and replied to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And look at this. And if I perish I perish. Wow, the very word of God. Uh, would you turn to our New Testament passage uh, from the Book of Revelation? I apologize. I think I put the wrong scripture down in the memory verse down below. Uh, it is actually Revelation twelve eleven. It says three eleven, but our passage is in Revelation chapter twelve, and you can find that passage on page one thousand and thirty four in the in the maroon pew Bible. 1034. <coughs> Revelation 12. This is a familiar passage to some of us, but it is an amazing testament for times exactly like the ones we find ourselves in right now. Revelation 12, verses 7 through 12. Now, a war arose in heaven. And Michael, who we'll see next week, Michael, the archangel, and his angels fighting against the dragon, against the evil one. The dragon and his angels fought back, but the dragon was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and the adversary, Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, was thrown down, guess where? To earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Wow. So we're getting this glimpse of, of the great uh, deception that, that Satan was living under, that somehow he could be God. He's cast out of heaven. But where is he cast to? He's cast to earth. Right? Right? And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying this. Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. Wait a second. Did you not hear the word right before that? The evil one has been thrown down. Now is the time when the kingdom comes. Yes. Yes. Why? For the accuser of our brother's has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And look at the tense of this next sentence. And they, con- they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Would you read that scripture with me? If you don't have the Bible open, it's out there at the bottom of your page in the bulletin. And they have conquered him, By the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. And a word of hope. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. The very word of God. Oh, my goodness! Oh, my goodness! So is this really conflict like the world has never seen before? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is, this is the world playing out exactly as it has from the very beginning, from the garden until now. This is, this is the strategy and the pattern of the evil one. So let's ask ourselves real honestly, how are you feeling right now? I mean, victory has been declared, right? After after decades of of lack of clarity, unsurety, victory has been declared. We can live in that victory, especially if you're a Cubs fan, right? I mean, who would have thought it, right? And I know that sometimes when, I'm, I'm teasing you, but I know that sometimes when we're in the midst of personal struggles or community struggles or a national struggle like we find ourselves now, I know it's easy to to begin to think that this is the end. We're, this is defeat. This is not working. I don't understand it. I mean, it must be something like, like Good Friday, right? It looks like everything we have put our hope in is not happening. Whether you're a Cubs fan or a Tribe fan, whether you're a Democrat or a Republic, whether you are a, a follower of Jesus or one who's persecuting followers, of Jesus, victory has been declared. I' going to say something really hard, and then I'm going to go to God's word and try and put it in context if I could. Um, you don't have to fear, amen? You don't have to fear the future. God is sovereign and over it. But there is a reality here. God give me wisdom, would you? We're going to get, next Tuesday, what we deserve. We're going to get the leader that we deserve because we have rejected the leader that we really needed. And I'm not talking about politics, right? Right. I'm not talking about it. So our hope is not in the outcome of the election. Amen. Um, I'm I'm not dissing you. If you I'm not disrespecting you, excuse me, if you. Um, are passionate about. You should be. You should be. God has allowed you to live in a country where 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 your vote makes a difference. I'm not. I'm saying go for that. You you pursue what you understand. Christianity to look like reflected in the political context which you live. If you are a Democrat, speak prophetically to the Democratic Party. If you are an independent, speak prophetically into the independent movement. If you find yourself in the Republican um, arena there, speak into that. Speak in that. But remember where your true loyalty is. You are a child of God. First, you have much more in common with a Christian Democrat or a Christian Independent or a Christian Republican than you do with the political party. And so let's, let's go into these next days recognizing that regardless of what happens, um, we are getting the natural outcome of the choices that we've made. Now, that would be a little depressing were it not for really... Good news. And that really good news is that we can still choose the leader that we need. Do you remember what I said? We're getting the one that we deserve because we rejected the one that we need. We can still choose. That election's not over. and will not be over on Tuesday, right? In fact, that election began at the very foundation of the world when He chose us. We can still respond to God's choosing us, we can still choose the leader that we need. It just won't happen on Tuesday. I know a lot of you have already voted, but it just won't happen there in that. Election booth. Right. So what does the word of God say to us exactly in this moment? It's not just in this one between now and Tuesday. It's it's in every moment that we live. It's just, I think, brought to the forefront of our awareness by the political situation in which we find ourselves. What does he say to us in the midst of these tumultuous days? Several things from the word of God. First of all, remember, remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over, I love this in the ESV, over this present darkness. It's not going to forever be dark, but over this present darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our struggle is not with people. Hey, this is much bigger than this. We're going we're gonna to see that. Post your child for that next week, if you're with us together. We're going to see the struggle that's before us and how it works. But, but for now, just remember that your struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against Democrats and Republicans, right? It's, this is spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And they're waging war over our souls, right? So, so naturally, a natural outcome of that is that we're not going to we're not going to regard anyone that we uh, encounter according to their political party. We're not going to regard anyone according to their um, uh, according to their race. We're not going to uh, regard anyone according to their gender. Right? We're gonna. We are we are precious children of God. We're not going to regard them according to the flesh. Why? Because if any flesh, if any one is in Christ. He is a new creation. And the old has passed away and the new has come. Every person that you lay eyes on has that potential of, of knowing Jesus Christ and being his instrument in there. So certainly with people who already know him, and, and then especially with people that don't know him, um, we're not going to regard them for the way we are. Paul says, I even did that with Jesus. I just saw him as as a good teacher, I saw him as a person in the flesh, and I don't do that anymore. I come to learn what God can do with one life that's totally surrendered to Him. I've come to see Christ, uh, not according to the flesh, but as my Savior. And He says, now I want you to do that with one another. I want you to do that with one another. We saw last week, how do you do that? Love and serve one another. Right? That's how... That's how we respond in an election year. We love and serve one another. We do not regard each other according to the flesh. Remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But also remember that, that that spiritual warfare requires spiritual weapons. Have you turned there yet? Um, Turn to our passage in Ephesians chapter six. I'm going to do it in the pew Bible so I can give you a page number on that page 979. If we're not in a struggle with flesh and blood, then then weapons of warfare that are normally used with flesh and blood will not work. Right. Makes sense. What has God given us to to wage spiritual warfare? Not with people but with rulers and authorities and powers with spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What tools has he given? Now, this sounds a little bit cliche, but don't go there. Stick with me through this for a second, right? Let's let's remind ourselves what many of us already know from Ephesians chapter 6. I'm in Galatians, so that's not going to help me a whole lot. Be strong in the Lord, verse 10, and in the strength of his might. Put on... The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, not of the Democrats, not of the independents, not of the Republicans, but of the evil one. For we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, as a result, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm unless you haven't got the message yet he says it one more time stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all not some not most all the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Wow. Well, wow. he says, here's some very real tools. What are they? First of all, truth. Truth. That's been a little hard to come by, hasn't it, in the last days? Is this not crazy or what? I, I know I'm a little bit gullible, but stuff will come across the Internet. News flash, and there'll be some official graphic, right? And and, and it looks for all the world like this is a reputable news agency. And I go, what? That can't be. And then I'll find out that can't be. It wasn't, right? Um, there's a war of deception going on beginning with superficial things, he said, she said, but going all the way down to this is about flesh and blood and not about spiritual things. And so God says, and, and I'm, I'm going to come back to you on this, but I, I'm thinking that there's an importance in the order of these things too. Every parent knows if you have tru- if you don't have truth, you have nothing. Amen? Every husband and wife knows if you do not have Truth, you have nothing. Truth is critically important. And of course, what does the world do? The world goes after that and says there is no absolute truth. Truth is relative. Truth is up to you. What's true for you? And God says, no, that's not true. The creator of the world, the one who left heaven to come to earth, to die for truth. Remember that? I came to be truth. I am the way, the truth And the life, that that one, the living God, said, No. There is a truth. You've got to find it and you've got to orient your life around it. But it's a it's a powerful weapon. Just be careful, beloved. Be careful because people will want you to believe that something is true that is not. Again, as simple as political truths or half truths, but but certainly down to spiritual ones. Truth is a weapon. In spiritual warfare. What's another one? Right relationships. Righteousness. Right relationships. First with God. That's a powerful tool at your disposal. You can be, for the first time, through Jesus Christ, for the first time since the garden, a person can be in right relationship with the living God. That's a powerful tool. Powerful tool. And on our tool belt here, a powerful weapon in our armor, right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. But just like Jesus said, loving God is the most important thing, but loving your neighbor as yourself, you can be in right relationships with other people as well. In fact, in fact, he's saying righteousness Includes, Jesus is saying, includes right relationship with God and with our neighbor. So are you willing to sacrifice that on the altar of temporary American politics? Are you? Or is there something much more important than the outcome of this election? That's your relationship with this person who you've been building relationship with, who you've been sharing truth with. He continues. And says An- another a tool, another weapon that we have in spiritual warfare is the gospel. That's what we spent all last week uh, reaffirming. That how does the gospel of Jesus Christ, creation, fall, redemption, the hope of restoration, how does that speak into the political situation? Speaks powerfully into it. That's a gift of God for you in the midst of this. The good news that the Creator of the world has redeemed the world and is going to restore the world um Sarah was sharing with me that in in the um in, in the confirmation class they were just coming to that truth today that that one day there will be no more tear one day god is going to restore all this brokenness and we long for that day and isn't it interesting now look where faith is in this list i'm not going to live or die on this hill But look, he's given us some tools and he says, if you're able to to employ truth, if you're able to employ right relationships with your right relationship with God with other people, if you can bring the gospel to bear on this situation, then people will receive this gift of faith, this mustard seed of faith. They'll be able to put their weight down on it. You'll be able to put your weight down on it. Like I pray Yang is able to do, even this moment halfway across the world in China. I pray that, that our brothers and sisters in Turkey can put their weight down on Jesus right now. You are worthy, God. Even though I cannot see the outcome of this, even though you slay me, as Joe would say, even if I perish, as Esther would say, I'm trusting you, Jesus. The outcome of our faith then is salvation. Put on, Paul says, the helmet of salvation. You've got to have this, this truth in, in, in your life that Christ's coming was effective for you. Salvation comes after truth, comes after right relationships, comes after this gospel of peace, comes after this faith. And he says, i got another one for you. And I stuck my own words in here. The Spirit-led application of the Word of God. The Spirit-led application. We have all met people who cherry-picked their favorite. It's pretty obvious in the political season we find ourselves. How can you possibly vote for Him uh, when there's this scripture, how can you possibly vote for her when there's this scripture? People will cherry pick scriptures to support the thing they already want to do. I, I celebrate going to the word of God for wisdom in in this very real and tangible act of, of voting here. But what we need to do is not decide how we're going to vote, but how God wants to use us in the redemption of the world. And the Holy Spirit will lead you to put the Word of God into into application. The Holy Spirit will do that. Which is the sword of the Spirit, right? The sword of the Spirit. Now, I think on this thing I did, yeah, I put a little bracket around that. Um, Because when we are traditionally teaching on on the armor of God, we go to these different pieces of armor, right? And then we... And we say, wow, those, those are powerful pieces of armor. And, and as we, many of you discovered in your discipleship triads, that, that that's not the last piece of armor, is it? Um, the, the problem is that they didn't identify a piece of armor for the last one. But did you see the last one right here? You might feel a little bit helpless in the midst of so great uh, debate as, as national politics or eternal consequences of the war between the evil one and, and, and Jesus Christ. You might be a little overwhelmed, but you are not helpless. And, and, and God has given you this gift of prayer. This gift of prayer. There will come times when you will speak. There will come times when you sacrifice. There will come times, maybe conceivably, when you will lay down your life, but it will only come. Those times will only come as a result of praying, as, as a result of prayer and God leading you in that time of prayer to the right course of action. It's not an afterthought, right? Prayer permeates and covers every step of this process. So it really shouldn't be like, well, boy, you're fast. It should be like that. Back a slide. Back a slide. It shouldn't be like that. It should be like that. There we go. That... that, that prayer is not an afterthought or the last thing you do. Prayer permeates every aspect of that. And, and if you're tempted to despair in, in, in these days, um, don't don't cry out to the, to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Surrender yourself to his purposes. And, and God just may use the crisis which we find ourselves as a nation in to bring many souls to himself. So remember that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Remember that spiritual warfare requires spiritual weapons. But remember also that we know how this works out. We cheated. We went to the back of the book, right? Remember that we will overcome. Uh, Many of you, um, many of our our older members are hearing something right now when, when I say those words. But it came right out of Revelation, They came right out of the back of the book. Remember our passage from Revelation chapter 12. And they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Remember the Word of God from Ephesians. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. How do we walk into these days together based on the Word of God? He says it's not about your strength. Don't think for a moment that you can do this by your own strength and add to there by your own intellect or savvy that you can somehow outmanipulate the other party or something else to make your outcome come into being. This is much larger than that. It's not about your strength. It's about His mighty power. And you've got to be strong in His power. And the strength of His might, not yours. It's not your physical strength. It's not your political strength that matters. It's His. It's His. Remember also that the victory has already happened. The tenses of words are really important. And as we look at that passage in Revelation 12, they have conquered Him. Right. Wait a second. Uh, uh, Woe to you, earth, for the devil has been thrown down to you. But then he speaks in the past tense. They have conquered him. It's like we're we're getting a, a a primer on how to live in these days. Recognize that the victory has already been won. Is he ticked off about it? Absolutely. Or will his followers be ticked off about it? Absolutely. Can they do a lot of damage? Absolutely. But the victory has already been won. We've talked about it several times. But remember that poor Japanese guy from 1944 until the early 70s. He lived in a cave thinking that the war was still going on when the victory had already been declared. Um, yeah, there'll be skirmishes. There'll, there'll be a pain. There'll be brokenness as the evil one until the Lord returns. Tries and wound and hurt as many as he can, but the victory's already happened. They have conquered him. How did the victory happen? How will the victory happen for you? When you recognize it's not by your strength, but it's by his. When you recognize what you could not do by your own strength, he did by his own blood. When Christ shed his blood on the cross, he broke the power of sin. He broke the power of disease. He broke the power of death. That's all he's got. I'm sorry. That's all the tools the evil one has, right? Sin and disease and death, right? Right? Christ, by His blood, broke the power over that. So when you put your trust in Christ, that blood... It's not so crazy if, you're, if, you, if you've not encountered a Christian before or the gospel before. How can blood cleanse us? It cleanses us because it gives us life. The life is in the blood. And when He shed His life for you, He granted you life. It happens by the blood of the Lamb. So when you cry out on Jesus' name, when you... When I do on a regular basis, a daily basis, Tom, I plead, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of the Lamb. When you cry out for Christ's redemption, he hears and he responds. The, victor, the victory has already happened, but the victory we also learn here is continuing to happen. Now, not for you. Your name is written in the book of life when you trust in Jesus Christ. It has been, and then you trust it in Jesus Christ as a consequence. But what happens when you testify? It's not that somehow when you share the gospel, when you testify about what God has done in your life, that, that by your expertise and by the amazing, uh, words that you use or the graphics on your, on your video, that somehow someone goes, wow, I learned something I didn't know before and, and they're changed. No, when you testify, you say, I just know this to be true. Remember the very first step? Way back when, in Ephesians 6. Yeah, that's a, uh, what's truth, right? That was Pilate's response. But people are longing for it. and They're longing for one person who understands it and who's put their weight down on it and who's living it. And, and maybe, just maybe, God will use you as the instrument that reveals the sons and daughters of God when you proclaim what you know to be true. Lives are changed. So the victory happens every time you testify. Um, Will it cost you your life? It may. It's certainly doing that across the world in record numbers. Um, But it won't cost you your life if you don't risk sharing it. You'll be temporarily safe and will have missed an opportunity to be an instrument of God in transforming someone else's life. The victory happens every time you testify. So the question for us as we finish today, and do not get spoiled. This won't happen again. I apologize that I'm finishing early. It's an accident, I assure you. But we have to ask ourselves, what do I really love? Do I love the tumult and... and and the passion of the politics in which we find ourselves? Or do I love the peace that comes from the Prince of Peace? What do I really love? Do I love uh, my um, upper-middle-class American lifestyle? Um, Or do I love my hope for eternity? See, what we love leads us to what is important, what we love leads us to what can be sacrificed and laid aside. Did you see that end of that verse? For they loved not their lives even unto death. And I know that you thought that when you saw people being beheaded and you said, How can they do that so so um, faithfully? When you, when you see people suffering for their faith throughout the world, you say, how can they do that? It's really easy. You can't kill what's already died, right? You cannot kill what has already willingly sacrificed itself. The same strength that gave Jesus the ability to say, God, I would not choose this by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not my will, but yours be done. that strength can be yours. Will it mean that you have to give up your life? Probably not. Will it mean that you have to give up something that you dearly love? Probably. Probably. What do you love, beloved? We end kind of where we started. Come on up, worship team, if you would. Remember Esther? It looked for all the world like annihilation was around the corner. They had a date on it they knew the exact moment of their death isn't that amazing and and she was living in the relative comfort of of the of the palace but she had a unique place in that time and 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 her uncle encouraged her, maybe yes, or just maybe the reason that you were, are excuse me, the reason you are where you are is for such a time as this, and maybe, beloved, just maybe the reason that you are where you are in your unique situation in your family, your unique situation in your workplace, your unique situation in your school might be for such a time as this. That you can bring life, that you can bring love, that you can bring truth into a world that so desperately needs it. I love, I love the Word of God that, that um, it gives us hope. And in the midst of the trials, we can go and we can hear again what's going to happen. We can look in the back of the book and, and declare uh, what we know to be true the word of God, would you, from Revelation chapter 7. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages were standing before the throne and before the Lamb of God. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and they were crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders, around the living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Can you say that with me? Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen.